Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I've known Rebetzin uh, Candace Hyslip for many years. She's such a delight. Uh, we served together, uh, together on the board of the Messianic, the Young Messianic Jewish Alliance of America. Uh, we were both on the executive committee together, and now freshly we are uh, again serving together on the executive committee of the Young Messianic Jewish Alliance, although in a different uh, form. Uh, I'm the executive director. That's the largest youth and young adult organization, the Messianic movement, and I'm kind of like the liaison from the uh, the you know fogies to the young peoples, uh, and, uh, but Candace just accepted a full-time position with the YMJA, and she's gonna be directing youth conferences all over the country and doing a lot of great things with our young adults, and she is experienced, she knows what she's doing, it's gonna be a real blessing. I know my kids are psyched. Uh, and then in addition, of course, she's the Rebbitzin of Congregation Baruch Hashem in Phoenix, Arizona. My good friend, Rabbi Tim Heislip, leads that congregation out there, and they have a great group. Uh, and she is one of our best teachers. And so I really want for you to tune in. Uh, she's very, always, always very deep. So get ready to receive what the Lord has for you, my dear friend, Rebbitzin Candice Heislip. Shabbat Shalom. Oh my goodness, it is such a delight to be with you guys this Shabbat, the first Shabbat of 2023. I keep hearing this theme that the Lord is doing new things in your midst. Rabbi Kevin, thank you so much, and Rabbi and Tiffany, thank you for hosting me and for inviting me to bring the word tonight. It is beautiful to behold what the Lord is doing in this congregation. It is beautiful. Your open hearts of worship, your um, honoring of the traditions of our fathers, the testimony to hold to the testimony of the Lord is witnessed and it is alive. And you know what? I can tell you, sometimes we don't always see things exactly as they are when we're so close to them, but I truly believe that the best days are ahead of you, Congregation Beth Hillel. I truly believe it. Um, the Lord has given Rabbi Kevin an incredible vision. He's assembling you, and more and more of you are coming back. And I love, there's this theme of you were born for such a time as this. And um, even in this week's Parsha, we see that um, Jacob, as he's drawing to the end of his life, and we're going to be getting more into that in just a second, there's a specific purpose for every single one in every season of your life. Every season of your life and your story is not over. 
So this week, um, I was reading through the Parsha, and I was really captivated. I was captivated by this theme. You know, every time, how many of you know that you can read the Parshiot over and over and over again, and then every year when you come upon a passage, if you're you're just there and you're like, oh my goodness, I've read this my whole life and now it's striking something fresh in me and the Holy Spirit is there to meet you where you are and to give you a fresh word. And this week I was reading through the Parsha and the Haftorah and I just felt captivated by this theme of the stories that we tell. And I actually find it incredibly fitting for where we are in the body of Messiah today. I saw this, um, it was actually a social media reel on Instagram by someone named Carrie Newhoff, and he was talking about trends in 2023 for the body of Messiah. And he said that open believers will reach an open generation, namely Gen Z. And according to Barna, which is a research group, Gen Z is the most unreached, and it is the most spiritually open generation. More than any other group, Gen Z believes that there is a supernatural side to life, but they are looking for something real and true. And more than any other group, Gen Z is deconstructing their faith in a way that we have never seen before. And while that can sound disheartening, did you also know that 59% of Gen Z agrees that they are more open to the Lord today than they were before the pandemic, compared to 34% of boomers who feel that they are open to the Lord today? So what do you do? You don't rethink your faith. You rethink your approach. And we need to be open to people having questions for us. And sometimes they're really hard questions, but you know what? For those of you who are here who are not Gen Z, you might be from a different generation, you have something to impart. You have something to impart. The Lord has written your story with you, and you have things to tell. This week's Parsha, we have three great heroes and patriarchs of the faith coming to the end of their life. The words that they share are intentionally given for an impact. These men don't hide, they don't shrink back or become passive. Rather, they engage the next generation by telling their stories through the lens of God's grace and his holy judgment. So if you have a pen with you, I hope you... I don't know, are you guys note takers here, some of you? Well, if you have a pen with you, I just want you to write it down somewhere, maybe on a scratch piece of paper. You can also take out your phone and write in your notes section, Um, but it's not time to scroll Instagram, you know, but you can write it in your notes section. Um, And this is something private for you, but I want you to write down one burden that you are carrying that feels weighty or disappointing. And I'm just gonna give you a minute. 
It's probably right underneath the surface. I want you to write down one burden that you are carrying that feels weighty or disappointing. All right, let's jump into the word here. From the Parsha in Genesis 49, verses 1 and 2, Jacob called his sons and said to them, Gather together so I can tell you what will happen to you in the last days. Or some translations say what will happen to you in the future. Be assembled and listen, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Then we skip ahead to the Hof Torah in 1 Kings 2. And man, that was a beautiful Torah service. It was so good. In 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. Now, when the time of David drew near to die, he charged his son Solomon, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong and be a man. Keep the charge of Adonai your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his decrees according to what is written in the Torah of Moses, so that you may succeed in all that you do wherever you turn. My friends, the stories that we tell ourselves and those around us have the power to forge a path into the future and shape the next generation. I'm gonna say that again. The stories that we tell ourselves and those around us have the power to forge a path into the future and shape the next generation. Here you have Jacob, and he's gathering his sons. He's like, come here, come here, gather around me, listen. And he has these very honest conversations uh, in the Torah service, he was telling Joseph, let me tell you, God appeared to me, and this is what he told me, and he was real about his heartache, and he was real about the promises of God, and he had this special one-on-one -on -one conversation with Joseph. Later on, he gathers his children. He says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the future, and li listen well. And then we see David telling Solomon David, I'm, I mean, uh, Solomon, I'm going to die. But let me tell you, these are the most important things. Now, these men um, have lived very incredible lives. They are men of God, but they have also lived with so much tragedy. Jacob and David especially. And then actually at the end of the Parsha, we see Joseph has an opportunity to give his kind of final words to his brothers. And then it closes out with the end of Joseph's life. And these men, like, have you ever played the game, like, oh, if you could go back in any time in history, who would you want to interview? And really, we have these kind of interviewing conversations with these great men because they're sharing their heart about the most important things in life. Now, it sounds a little bit different from the time that they were in the struggles because our pain looks different when we are on the other side of it, right? That's right. <laughs> Our pain looks different when we're on the other side of it because when we gain some distance, it's not so fuzzy anymore. It's not so blurry anymore. It's not so consuming. You can see the hand of God a little bit more clearly than you could maybe in the midst of a great struggle. We all have stories to tell. All of us, every one of you has a story to tell about your family of origin, 
about places of pain, about places of harm, about victories, about battles that you've gone through, about the faithfulness of God, and how the Lord has been present with you and how he has transformed you. One of the many things that I love about coming to minister in Atlanta is that I have friends that I've been friends with for a really long time. Um, earlier today, Dara and I were talking We've been friends for right about three decades, for a very long time, and that's also showing our age a little bit. But one of the traditions that we have is whenever we see each other, whether it doesn't matter where in the country we are, the Lord always works it out so we get this chunk of time together. And we'll go out, we'll have a meal, and we'll sit down and we dive deep. This is not like, oh, let me uh, dip my toe in the pool here and see. No, we just like jump right in. And we talk about life and we talk about the real aspects of our life that are really meant for a few to hear. Um, we all have stories to tell and some stories we can tell and broadcast to the world and other stories are meant for a one-on-one -on -one conversation or for very few people to hear and to witness. But one of our traditions is that we jump in and we share the stories of our life. And it's beautiful because we share about the good things, we share about the hard things, we share about the places where the Lord is showing up to meet us. And it's, it's always transformative, right? It always does something in our hearts because we're meant to bear witness to one another. This is part of why we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We bear witness to the stories that are being written on the pages of our soul. There is comfort, there is healing, there is shared wisdom, and there's an opportunity to be seen, to be heard, and to be understood. And vulnerability is actually very healing when it's done in the right context. You can share your story without an inappropriate con uh, broadcast, right? It's like sometimes you see on Facebook, everyone's, you know, like, it's like a diary of people. Everything, every place they went, everything they ate, everything they're feeling. Vulnerability is good, but in order for it to really have a powerful effect, it needs to happen in the right context. But really, what comes out of this, and I'm sure that you've had these life-giving life conversations too, is that the Lord transforms our pain into purpose. And he transforms our purpose into his good pleasure. His good pleasure. So he transforms our pain into purpose and then he transforms that purpose into his good pleasure. Philippians 2 says, For the one working in you is God, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And how we journey through the pain really becomes a lesson for the people around us who know us well. And it becomes a lesson for the next generation. And we really have to, like in our home, we have a saying, we say, listen, I have five children, 
My oldest son is married to a beautiful young woman, and they're expecting their first child, so I'm going to be a grandma. I can't use the name Bubby, because that, that belongs to my dad's wife, but I'm going to have a grandson, you guys. I can't even believe it. But <clears throat> the, we have a saying in our family that you can learn a lesson from every single person that you meet. Amen. <laughs> and some people, you learn lessons and you think, oh, I want to be like them. That, that's a great example. And other people, you learn lessons like, mm, I am not going to do that in my life, right? And the people that we're around are witnesses to the decisions that we're making in our life. They're witnesses to how we're responding to circumstances and situations. And I want to ask you a few questions. One, what story are we telling ourselves? What story are we telling ourselves? Number two, what lessons are others gathering from our suffering? And here's the thing, is that when we tell a story, oftentimes it comes through a lens. Sometimes we tell stories, and I'm not dismissing victimhood, okay? There are real victims in this life who have been on the other side of someone crossing their boundaries. And, and so uh, this, is not, um, this is not dismissing that. But then there are some times that you have people that can be victims of everything that happens to them, right? A fly f flies by their face the wrong way, and they're victimized or they get the wrong size order of fries at McDonald's and someone was you know, trying to get them. Uh, but sometimes we can tell stories from the lens of a victim. Sometimes we can tell stories through the lens of a villain. These are the people who go looking for trouble. They see trouble and they're like, yes, I'm there and I'm in the middle of it and I'm gonna make it bigger. Um, and, and they can tell a story from the perspective of a from the perspective of a villain, um, like Darth Vader, right? Then you have people who tell stories of the times where they were heroes. And this is good, we need those stories because these are the stories of our battles where the Lord met us and gave us victories. But if we're always the hero of every story, maybe it's something we wanna check. And then there are the stories from the guides, the wise guides like Yoda, right? I think this, this congregation likes Star Wars a little bit. I've heard some rumors about that. But um, you have these wise guides who lead the heroes, who take the victims by the hand and transform them into the heroes. And they've been there before. They've been in the trenches. They've been suffering. They know what it's like to be there, and they know the way out. And I believe that all of us, uh, you know, we can play any of these characters in any given day, right? The victim, the villain, the hero, or the guide. But I believe that the Lord is calling his body into a deeper place of maturity to be guides for one of the greatest harvest of souls that we've ever experienced. And this is the younger generation 
that is more open than any other generation to date, to the supernatural and to the truth of the Lord and his kingdom. So how can our stories of suffering transform into life-giving strength for us and for others? So my favorite psalm in the whole world, I feel like I could live inside of it, is Psalm 84. And there's this passage within Psalm 84, like really, it's just the be- I think it's like the best psalm, and it's from the sons of Korah, and they have this big history, and um, I just love Psalm 84, but there's this passage of the blessed ones who are on a journey, and I think that we can learn a little bit from their story. Psalm 84, verse 6, blessed is the one whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the pilgrim roads. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Adonai Tzivaot, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. So we're just going to take a few moments to break this down. This is the story of the blessed ones on their journey. So blessed is the one whose strength is in themselves? No. Whose strength is in circumstances? No. Whose strength is in you? And in whose heart are the pilgrim roads? See, the blessed ones have an eternal compass in their heart. They have in their heart the pilgrim roads. And they have a north star. They know their why. It doesn't matter where they're journeying because as they journey, in their hearts are the pilgrim roads. They they know where they're going. They know that the final goal is to meet with the Lord in Zion and to journey with his people. So they can withstand any kind of weather condition and they can move through any kind of terrain because their hearts are set on meeting with the Lord, encountering his presence, and being with his people. So I want to ask us, where is our North Star? When things get rough and tough, what do we keep going back to? Where's our North Star? And this is the why. This is, if you know your why, You can endure any what. You can endure any what if you know your why. And when you go back to that internal compass, what what is it? What's your North Star? What's your goal? What are you aiming for? Because that helps to reframe any kind of circumstance that we go through into something that can be beneficial. Next, it says, passing through the Valley of Baca, They make it a spring. The early rain covers it with blessings. So it's interesting because in the Septuagint, the Valley of Baca is actually translated as the Valley of Weeping. And in the Latin, it's translated as a Valley of Lamenting. 
This, and some people say, no, no, it's not weeping and it's not lamenting. Actually, this is a valley of balsam trees and the trees cry and they, they release sap in the shape of tears. And actually the valley is very, very dry. It's very, very arid. But this is a valley of balsam trees. But whether it's weeping, whether it's lamenting, or it is a dry and arid place, Something transformational happens when the blessed ones journey through this place because they intentionally make their valleys into springs. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> they intentionally make their valleys into springs. How do you even do that? How do you take a valley that you're going through and make it you? It's, it's the decision is in your hand. They make it into a place of springs. So here are some ideas on how that can happen. Part of it is because of their expectation of the Lord. And part of it is because they already have their North Star is to have an encounter with the Lord. So even in the valleys, they know that the Lord has not forsaken them. In fact, we're going to see that he meets them there with a form, a tangible form of blessing. So here are some questions that we can ask the Lord in our valleys that can transform it into a place of refreshment. Number one, Lord, how are you calling me to rest? Rest in a valley? Yeah. Rest is very healing, and most of us need more of it. Amen? <laughs> Lord, how are you refreshing my spirit with a revelation of you? Because when we're in valleys, the Lord has not forsaken us. Even if he's quiet, I promise you he's there. There's no place that you can escape from his presence. So how is he showing up? And who is he showing you that he is? It's time to write it down. And it's time to put, make this a part of your story because this is the part that turns pain into purpose and purpose into good pleasure. And Lord, how are you supernaturally meeting my needs? Do you know how many unrecorded miracles we have in our lives? And it might be just a moment of, oh my goodness, I was thinking of this and I was praying for this and there it is. It just showed up. Thank you, Lord. And then we go on with our lives. It's fine to go on, but, but write it down because this is part of your story and this is how people turn valleys into places of refreshment. They turn these pools of tears into pools that they can be refreshed from. Finally, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. The blessed ones acknowledge and accept the strength the Lord gives them through each trial. I'm going to say that again. They acknowledge and accept the strength that the Lord gives them through each trial. Sometimes we focus so much on what we don't have that we're not able to see what the Lord is giving us to strengthen us in the moment. 
But the blessed ones, when they journey through that valley of weeping or that valley of lamenting or even an arid valley of uh, balsam trees, they are acknowledging the strength that the Lord has given them. So I, I have a few questions for you. Lots of questions tonight. What strength has God given you through your last trial? And I'm sure if we were to take a poll, everyone would have something to say. Oh, the Lord gave me patience. That was a strength I didn't have. Oh, the Lord, the Lord gave me compassion for people. I used to be so judgmental, but after that last trial, I have compassion. And now I see it as a strength. Oh, the Lord helped me to see that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And now he's given me some of that kindness to extend to myself and other people. Oh, the Lord, in my last trial, oh, it was a terrible trial of finances, but I found out that I can put God to the test and I can give to him and I can't outgive him. What strength has he given you through your last trial? Is it visible to you? Is it visible to other people around you? It's interesting, when you see people in the Messianic movement once or twice a year, it's good, like you feel good when, oh, you haven't aged a day. Oh, wow, thank you, that's great. But you don't really want to look the same. You want people to be able to witness that there's a greater measure of Yeshua in you, that there is a greater measure of strength in you, that you have the character of Messiah and the mind of Messiah and that you're looking more and more like him through every trial you go through. And have you identified the strength and thank the Lord for it? Because the blessed ones, they go from strength to strength. But there is a story that we can boast in, okay? So these stories that we tell and the stories that Jacob told, and the stories that David told, and even how Joseph spoke, there is a story that we can boast in. Romans chapter 5 says, and not only that, but we also boast in suffering. Knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh, who is given to us. So suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. How many of you guys are going through something right now? You were able to write something down that feels heavy or weighty or disappointing. The Lord has a promise for you. And some of you are in this place where right now you're just in the place of suffering. And you are suffering and you're suffering and you're bleeding and you're hurting and you have open wounds. My friends, don't give up. This may not seem like a gift, and it may not seem like a strength, but I promise you that perseverance is being built in you right now. Amen. Perseverance is being built in you right now, like a warrior. And perseverance 
Some of you right now, you've been like, I, I'm in the perseverance season. I've been doing this for three years. My circumstances have only changed a little bit. Oh, my friend, then you're able to receive the character from the Lord as a kind of strength. Your character is being refined. You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind anymore, right? Because you're like, mm, no, no, I learned that lesson, right? And you're more thoughtful. You're more intentional. And people can offend you, and it just rolls off your back like water off a duck's back. You are getting the character of Messiah established in you. You're getting this upgrade inside, and that's good. And if you've been in that place of perseverance, and it's like, Lord, this, this trial is lasting too long. I'm persevering, and I'm persevering. It is not in vain. He is building in you his character. And some of you shine with the light of Messiah because your character has been so refined. And people around you are like, oh my goodness, can we just marvel at this person's character for a minute and how noble they are? And man, that's someone I want to be like. But you know what they have? They have hope. And they can tell people on the other side, oh, just hang on. Just hang on. Because you know what? The hope of the Lord does not disappoint. Amen? The hope of the Lord does not disappoint. And I was telling Dara earlier, some, some of my own trials that I've had in my life, I think one of the most difficult things that we can bear in our soul is to feel disappointed by the Lord, right? Because it's a disappointment. Like what we've had in our life hasn't been appointed correctly. And of course, that's our own faulty thinking. But those emotions are very real and deep. But let me tell you that when you receive hope from the Holy Spirit, and he breathes a new kind of hope into you, that hope does not disappoint. Amen? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh, friends, our pain looks different when we are on the other side of it. Isaiah 49 says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me, say it with me, will not be disappointed. Let's say that again. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Your life story is not over yet. Your life is a living, breathing testimony of God's love alive in you. It is not over yet. Revelation 12, and we referenced this before, they triumphed over him, meaning Hasatan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. When we are in a place where we're in these valleys, it can feel like death has turned into a blanket and has been thrown on top of our heads. And then sometimes someone comes and pours water on it, and you're like, ah, right? But we can't shrink back. 
We can't shrink back. The Lord is active and he is working in each and every one of you today. And your story is not over. And if you have disappointment in your heart, I want to tell you he has compassion for you. But the word is that those who put their hope in him will not be disappointed. They will not be disappointed. This is a little bit of what stories look like when you write with the Lord. At the end of this week's Parsha in Genesis chapter 50, we not only hear from Jacob in the beginning of the Parsha, we not only hear from David in the Haftorah, but this part, literally, I, I, I hope I can make it through without crying because I can never read this part of Scripture without bawling like a baby. <laughs> so at the end of Joseph's life, after he's been betrayed, beaten, sold as a slave, falsely accused, living in a dungeon, forgotten about, forsaken, and then the Lord reverses the story and then Jacob dies, and his brothers are like, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not going to be good for us. They send a message to Joseph, and they say, thus you must say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they treated you wrongly. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Then Joseph wept when they spoke to him, and his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Yes, you yourselves planned evil against me. God planned it for good in order to bring about what is this day, to preserve the lives of many people. So now, don't be afraid. I myself will provide food for you and your little ones. So he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. I'm going to go over a couple of things that are highlighted here. <sighs> yes, you yourselves planned evil against me. First, he says, I'm not in the place of God. But Joseph, as a righteous man and as a noble man here in the moment, he's able to name the intent where he was harmed. Sometimes in our forgiveness, we're like, you know, you know, I'm not the judge. That's good. Yeah, you're not the judge. But it's actually biblical to name the intent of harm for those who have harmed you. I know that might be shocking, but it's right there on the screen. You intended to harm me, but my friends, anytime someone intends you to harm you and it happens under the watch of the Lord, which is always, right? He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's watching. If it happens under his watch, that harm and, and you put that harm in his hands, he will turn it for good. He will turn it for good. The worst circumstance that you can imagine, and you think, God, 
I don't know how you're going to bring something good from this. This feels like death to me, and I want to shrink back. I promise you he will turn it for good. There is safety in the hands of the high priest of heaven. He will turn it for good. And Joseph understands that because the peace and the assurance that we have in the midst of our trials is not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent on the character of God. And he is able to rest in the goodness of God. Yes, you yourselves planned evil against me. God planned it for good in order to bring about, right? Pain to purpose and purpose to God's good pleasure. Then he says, so now don't be afraid. And I love it here because in the Hebrew, it says, I myself will nourish you and your little ones. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I I truly believe this in my heart that the places of our greatest purpose in the kingdom of the Lord, it was Joseph, Joseph's calling to nourish not only his family, but to nourish the world. And it was that very place of nourishment that was attacked because he was not nourished by his brother's love. And he was not nourished by his employers or anything. In fact, his soul was not nourished well, but he can turn around in this place and say, I myself will nourish you. And then in the Hebrew it says, so he reassured them, but it actually says that he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. What can we learn from Joseph? Gather your people. Share your stories and places of harm, stories of victory, stories of valor, places where you, the Lord let you be the hero, and the places where you can now guide others through those places of pain. You can name the intent of the perpetrator if it's clear to you, and you can rest in the goodness of God even in the midst of pain. Because this testimony that you have, this story that you have, the Lord has intended it to nourish others when you tell it with compassion and kindness. The stories we tell ourselves and those around us have the power to forge a path into the future and shape the next generation My friends, my mishpacha, my extended mishpacha, you are a blessed one. You are a blessed one. Whether you believe it or not, if you're in Yeshua, you are a blessed one. And you can journey the way of the blessed ones. Your story is not over, but I want to encourage you to write it with the Lord. Can we just take a moment to sit with the Lord in a responsive posture? Abba, you know 
where every person is right now in their relationship with you and in their relationship with other people. And Lord, you know their stories better than they know their stories. You know the twists and the turns, and you know the valleys that they have journeyed through. You know the places of weeping and the places of lamenting and the places of dryness that creates a kind of desperation. Lord, you know those who have suffered. You know those who have persevered. You know those who are walking in a greater measure of godly character. And you know those who you have given hope that does not disappoint. Abba, we open up our hearts to you today. And we thank you that we were born for such a time as this. And in every place of our lives, Lord, you are not done. Our story is not done. And Lord, we want to write a new chapter with you. And so we ask you to come and meet us right where we are. And give us your heart and the courage to take the next steps forward to write a story that would be nourishing and healing to others for your glory, B'Shem Yeshua. Oh, wow. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a powerful lesson about how God can take whatever it is that we're going through and use it for his purposes. And, and so much of it is our own perspective on, on what's going on and, and if we're submitting it really unto the Lord in the way that he sees and he directs us to, and that can change everything. Thank you so much, Rebbits and Candice. It was just tremendous and, and such a blessing. And, uh, and I pray that you were very richly blessed by it. Uh, as well. Uh, Michael, come on back up and we'll let you go ahead and, uh, and conclude our service for us. Uh, what a blessing this has been. Uh, and boy, some of you, if you needed some healing, you came for the right to the right place today for the Lord to touch you and speak to you. And uh, also I'll say this, for some of you, this message is to file away for tomorrow and for the next season in your life as well. Uh, because no matter what it is that we're going through, it's part of that story. And so thank you so much, Revitson. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. 
That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.